I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan, also known as Psycho Clown. <laughs> this is the Mutant Ages, a show where we talk about haunted carnivals. That's uh, true. Okay. <laughs> and we and we review every adaptation of the X-Men. It's just that this week we have to talk about haunted carnivals because we do. this episode of X-Men Evolution is about that. And it's also Ryan's personal obsession. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. Well, I went through a phase where I was being a terrifying clown for years yes. for Halloween. We did, as have- people know, as longtime listeners know, we used to make haunted houses at Ryan's house when we were teenagers, and we'd let the neighborhood kids come through it. And one of Ryan's first roles in that haunted house was a character called Psycho Clown. And I thought about that the entire time I was watching this episode. <laughs> well, okay, I, I also returned to that character multiple times. Yes, and then and then I went on to do real character. haunts. Like I've been working in the horror industry for almost fifteen years. Yeah, now it's now it's your real job. But you know, when we were kids, you were just Psycho. A clown was just for fun. Yeah, and most of the time I'm something else. And usually I'm doing something that's not a clown, but the clowns are inherently scary. And the reason we're talking about clowns are they? Well, I think they're. I think they are to a lot of people because it's uh, it's not that they're a clown. I think what it is is that there's a certain amount of being anonymous to a clown that freaks people mm. out. Oh, I think that's a good point. But right, I, but I also think it's the over-the-top motions. I mean, it's like regular, funny human behaviors, but they're super exaggerated and they become uncanny and Or creepy. like what you have suggested in the past where like the overstimulation of the bright colors and the loud yep. noises, that, you know? All of that is combined. So it's like the overstimulation of it and, and bright colors, bright noises, and then also just the uncanniness of it, like the surreality of it yeah, is, I like it. that's a good creepy. point because they kind of don't move like normal people. You know right. what I mean? They're much more exaggerated. Right. I mean, that's how this episode starts. Like it's I mean, it I, I know that we're with, talking I know, about this. It sounds this. crazy. Like this is an X-Men podcast and we're like time to talk about how scary clowns okay, are. So, Sorry right, if you're afraid of clowns, by the way. That's what this entire episode is I about. I already went on like, the Discord and put a disclaimer out and I was like if yeah. you're afraid of clowns, this is not an don't episode even watch for you. This one <laughs> because <laughs> the whole episode is clown time. I am not afraid of clowns, just as an aside. Oh, same. I, I'm not either. I'm not. But that said, I could totally understand how someone would be afraid of clowns. Like I can put it together and be like, this doesn't happen to scare me, but I totally get it. You know what I mean? Like I get why someone would be afraid of these things. Yeah. You know what it is? Is that also clowns are very much in your face oftentimes. And Uh so that freaks people like it's like sort of an envision of your personal space. Yeah. I'm not afraid of them. I like to be a clown because I think it's fun and I think it's fun to do it on Halloween and make people scream. But (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't. Well, I'm that's not... the kind of thing that we think is fun because we are actors. Well, yeah, but like a haunted <laughs> clown is different from like a goofy clown. Well, but there, I think if you're afraid of clowns, it doesn't matter to you. Like a regu- right. regular, quote unquote, regular clown, still scary to you. Already scary. I wonder, also, I if... the clowns in this episode are really different from regular clown. Like there's more lightning and thunder in the background. They're, but... Well, they're, they're like the Joker kind version of. of clowns. Okay, so by the way, we're watching X-Men Evolution. And the reason we're talking about this is because in this episode of X-Men Evolution, there's going to be like a bunch of nightmare sequences. That I yes. did not remember happening until I watched this. And I yeah. posted it on the TikTok because I was like, this, this is really <laughs> like, it reminds me of like the creepy animation from the late 80s, early 90s. Well, no, really just honestly, the, the 80s. Like, I'm thinking like Brave Little Toaster, Land Before mm-hmm. Time, like totally. that very slow, yes. dark. Creep- yeah like is it it's for kids but it's also like what is happening can you imagine a child watching this and by the way like i don't think there's anything i can say that's relevant to previously on the x-men so much as that gene and scott have been sort of like back and forth flirting in season two and maybe they're gonna fuck maybe they're not i mean i guess that's relevant well the new mutants are here now and so like it's a weird combination of characters that that consist of the new mutants in this and then that's really it like yeah. I guess so like uh, the new mutants are there in the background and they're not very good at being X-Men yet um, that's the B plot and then the A plot is Jean Jean Grey all things Jean right I also I have a question yes is this circus and this the same as the fundraiser carnival or was there a fundraiser mm-hmm. carnival and then also a circus this is a separate circus because this is a circus that turns out to have been led entirely by Mesmero as like a long con to kidnap the X-Men and as near as I can tell no other people attend the circus at all like, <laughs> I don't know no one else also we don't even see the x-men going to the circus it happens before the episode even starts oh this is a great thing that i can maybe find out later about but i'm going to bring this up because i remembered this this week okay so i was out i forget where i was i was uh somewhere in rhode island uh <laughs> who knows where you you were at the circus of mystery you may or may not have been hypnotized yeah I was, well, I was i was gonna plug i was gonna plug wherever the fuck i was but i really can't remember what the name of it was but it was in rhode island and it was one of those um like old nostalgia shops and it was like it was like a warehouse it was fucking huge and i didn't really buy too much because i'm not really spending money on that anymore but i did peruse their graphic novels and i picked up volume two of x-men evolution and i was like oh yeah this was a like a comic book series yeah there was a comic yeah we should talk about this and so then i remembered how x-men evolution for season two did this whole thing where they were like okay so we're gonna release a comic book series alongside the TV show to obviously promote comic books, but also you would have to read these issues to understand the gaps that are happening in season two, which Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about. So I picked up volume two because it was mad cheap there. And then I ordered the first volume online. So Sometime in the next couple of weeks, I will get these and read these and kind of like... Are there only two volumes total? Yeah, because it only made up to nine issues because it did not sell well. Mm -hmm. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think... They've always had. I don't know how popular this show was. I mean, that's the kind of sad thing about it. Is is I don't know. I mean, they clearly thought it it was more popular than it wound up being because they just got canceled midway through season four and they had plans. But I do think that like it was popular enough to mirror all the toys that I got in the comic books. And I think for it was big because X Men two thousand and X two were huge at the time. So like true, true. People were like really into the characters from those movies and they wanted to watch the cartoon. Yeah. I mean that probably helped to a certain extent, but I don't know if it would have helped with selling comic books. Who knows? No, it doesn't. And I think I feel like they've done this 
not just within Marvel, but also like within DC where they've had, say, Batman the Animated Series, and then Batman the Animated Series was trying to sell comic books along it alongside the TV show to like be that like, were like it was based on a comic of the book. show and I mean, like even X-Men the animated series had those comics that were set after the show that were like set in the world of the show that we've talked yeah, about yeah but also briefly. that was later they did release uh comic books of the actual episodes of X-Men the animated series and I have some of those that was called X-Men Adventures and mm-hmm. like they just tried to always do this and it just never actually took and it still doesn't take even like it doesn't even take as nearly as well as it should now when we have the MCU and like I don't know. Well, I, th- I think it does better than it did before where they were like, oh, we really we were watching this movie of these superheroes and now I'm going to go buy these comic books. But yeah, like, although that- I, I think that Marvel, I mean, we've talked about this a few times, but the Marvel just doesn't quite know how to capitalize on how wildly successful its movie properties are in comparison to the comic book line. Like it just yeah as an institution has not figured out how to get one to communicate with the other effectively in terms of sales, which is like mostly speaks to how old school the comics side of Marvel is as an apparatus across so many logistical axes. Like it's just, they still base it on pre-sales at physical comic book stores in terms of like which comic books they're going to make. Like that's already crazy. So like where where do you even go from there if you're still basing it on that as opposed to like digital sales? Like what do you even do? I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's, I feel like comic book, the comic book industry has always sort of faced this constant like peril of will we go out of business or not which is absurd because at this point the movies are so ridiculously popular that like the comics will always exist it's just that we can't figure out how to translate movie viewers into comic book readers or or TV show viewers whether it's like a live action show or a cartoon because this has been like an ongoing issue well I think they are figuring that out because a lot of people watch WandaVision so they figured out how to get people to watch a live action show and actually the animated series was very popular too so they did figure out some things but the comic book readership just that's been the audience that people just haven't quite circled back around to i think there are a lot of reasons for that comics are notoriously difficult to get into we could just spend hours talking about that and why that is and how like the order of x-men comics like where would you start is an absurd <laughs> question that is unanswerable and will always be unanswerable I mean, so and it's people like, ask us that question what, on this show people ask we us never that question all the time and you know why they ask it because there is no answer and there never will be like there yeah, will I, never be a you good kind of have to, to just I, you have to do you what just we've have done to start somewhere Wait, and that's, just what, try. I, that's literally what happened is that we both just jumped in randomly and then we catch kept going forward and then i remember and like you read a bunch of comics and you're like i don't know who the fuck any of these people are for like the first eight issues and then eventually you're like oh i'm picking up on it i'm remembering some of these names it's like that's just how that's, it is that's that's how it was and i remember when i was like a teenager i went back and started buying back issues and i just would read them even though they were out of order so i could at least yeah. understand it's a little bit different now because one there's a lot more graphic novels that compile these together in order for you to read but also i find that if i don't know who some who somebody is in a comic book i can now just go to wikipedia and you get can, the very like it. yes yeah but like it, well, it's not everything that you need to know about that character but it's enough but it's to something. like yeah be and you're, like, you're okay, making a I good understand. point you couldn't even do that in 1995 you couldn't no, even you google couldn't. like dr doom and be like who the fuck is this you just yeah. be like i don't know who this is i guess i'll keep reading and somebody it's metal will tell man me. All right. Yeah, anyway, anyway I, we're so off topic. We, are, well, we need the, to get back the, to class. The whole point being is that I don't know if there's going to be 
a circus and in these comic books. If there is, I can let you know and be like, oh, this is what it's from. I don't think it's going to be, though. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's kind of funny and weird that this whole episode is about a circus because ultimately it's not. It's going to be about apocalypse at the end. I mean, it is, which I was I'm waiting for the end where I'm just like, ah. Maddie's just sitting here rolling her eyes. I, so, I, I don't even know what to say. The apocalypse I, on the show isn't even like fun. He's, like, we're I, not are, even going to, are we going to get to apocalypse before the show gets canceled? We are, right? Yeah, because in season four, they're like, oh, we're getting canceled. Then they quickly just brought all the apocalypse shit back and they just did one really two or sorry, two really bad episodes where every character got together and like fought him. And I was like, oh, OK, got it. <laughs> they just it's it's just unfortunate. Yeah, um, but for now, they're trying to build to us long, slow build up to the reveal of apocalypse. In this I, feel, episode. I feel like they were doing a lot of different things because he's not even like the end game of season two. It ends up being Bolivar Trask. So it's just. I feel like they were setting up a lot of different pieces that they didn't that they needed they didn't like have time to follow. Well, right. Along. And they started to go in that direction in season three and then season four. They're like, OK, now we have like two seconds to wrap all these different ideas up. And it's just really sad. Yeah. Um, but oh, anyways, well. so this episode opens. <laughs> this with, episode is called Mindbender. Apologies in this advance. This episode's actually really good. I did like it. I but I also messed up last week. I thought this was going to be an episode about Mastermind because the episode is called Mindbender, and I know Mastermind's on the show eventually. He's not in this episode. The villain of this episode is actually a different guy named Mesmero who can control people's minds. Yeah, he well, it's not He's Professor Xavier, but like if Professor Xavier were evil, haha, just kidding, Xavier's already <laughs> yeah, evil. Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if it was just another manifestation of Xavier? Because he's also a bald white it's dude in this. Funny, because he also looks like Xavier. Like that point in the episode where Xavier was looking at a picture of Mesbro and it just looks like he's looking at a picture of himself literally. I was like, is no one going to call attention to this? No, they're not. And, like, we're just gonna skip no over that. Also, yep. Mesbro's power is hypnotism. It's not actually yeah. like mind control so fair enough it's, it's i don't know if that, that distinction is like really useful but well sure. <laughs> i'm just i'm saying this and so this whole episode is yeah. like a horror episode and, and yeah it, i actually really enjoyed it so basically me too me too it's, it very opens cool with app. jean gray walking around this very dark carnival dark and stormy circus. night like it's yeah. it's raining the colors are dark rain. there's like kind of like a gray overtone to everything except for yeah. when the clouds show up and they're very bright yeah. Um, again with that stimulation and I've heard a joke I'm like I'm like the Joker's gonna jump out and jump out and be it's... like get over here Harley and then like but then it, <laughs> or but... Barbara Gordon is really who Jean Grey yeah, is I mean, in that's, this that's scenario true. and then so then like an actual terrifying clown is sitting on this wagon and its head like spins around like a full like just a full one but and, slowly like yeah. really slowly yeah. and creepily and then it's is, like it's like I mean, it's all, cool it's a it cool is really great opening. the animation is just really good it's like <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he like stretches into a slender man clown who's like slowly walking towards gene and then there's well, like no, a that, bunch that, that's, of clowns that's, that's a different one there's a there's a slender man clown that stretches apart next yeah. to that one and then that clown that's like sitting in the wagon bursts through the wagon and like gets bigger and i was like okay this is kind of terrifying and then she turns <laughs> around and we see like these three clowns walking on the horizon and we're like okay they must be far away but then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so they're like yep. way bigger than Jean Grey. And they're all laughing at her. Yeah. And this then, is an episode you don't want to get high before you watch it. This you is also not an episode you want your child to watch. So <laughs> like 
Yeah. Then my then my favorite clown is the one where she backs away from all those other clowns and then Ryan's this, favorite clown. Yeah. Psycho clown, he's here. Yeah. It's like this pan of like this giant clown head behind her slowly looking up in a very yeah. like 80s animation style where like it's just horrifying. And then yeah. she looks at it and the thing like laughs at her and essentially eats her and it's like what the fuck is happening and then Jean <laughs> wakes up screaming in her bedroom she's floating above her bed she yeah. lands there's more lightning crashing in the background then this little jack in the box on the is like on her bedside table she like turns towards it and the it jack in the playing box, on its own it starts moving its little handle and playing like, a little song it's like what the fuck are we watching so like also there's a illuminati symbol on the side of the jack in the box which that symbol's going to show up again later this like oh is that what that is down. i didn't yeah. even notice that so i don't actually know if this is normally associated with apocalypse in the comics i don't actually think it is i don't but think, it I think is. they just included it because it's like a well-known spooky symbol where it's like the eye and the pyramid and it's on a hand usually and that symbol's in a bunch of places in this episode um that's just affiliated with mesmero which again i don't think is in the comics at least not that i don't I think find. so either but, I, I just think that in the in the visual design of the episode, they were like, well, this is a creepy symbol, so let's just include it. So that's there. Um, yeah. So then the Jack in the Box stops turning. Jean picks it up, which, like, don't pick it up. Jean. <laughs> Jean's like, what's happening? And Jean well, picks okay. it up. It pops open in her face. Like, of course it does. And, like, it's Mesmero's face. Although, at this moment, I didn't know who the I, fuck I, it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't but. know. But then Jean just screamed. That's the yeah. end of this whole opening sequence. And then it just plays the intro. And that's... It's like, I mean, it's really terrifying. It's very yeah. good. It's very it good, good horror tropes. But the whole rest of it's also a bunch of horror shit. So it's really funny because we go from that and then it goes into the opening credits where it's like. Yeah, I know. But then it goes back to this other really kind of scary horror movie scene where now it's all the X-Men and the New Mutants screaming Jean's name and looking for her. And, and it's, it's like, like overlapping and like they show the school, but like none of them are actually at school. They're all still at home. It's like a weird montage. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, there's, a, there's another there's another montage later. But right now they're looking around the school. Even the new mutants are pissed at participating. And then, and inside, then they're looking around the mansion. They can't find her anywhere. Right. And so then Xavier's inside. Like, I think it's Scott's in there. I don't remember if Beast is they're there. No, no, Beast room. is not. It's Scott and Xavier in Gene's room. And Xavier yeah. picks up the Jack in the Box. And he's yeah. like, I wonder if this weird Jack in the Box has something to do with this. And Scott's like, no, she won no. that at she won that at the carnival last week. Or I know it's like, is this the one that Boom Boom and Nightcrawler were at? I don't know. We don't really know. Now so, you're making me question it. And well, I'm like, I mean, like, what? why? It just it's funny to me that they would have in season two a carnival that plays a multi that plays a huge piece at the beginning of season two, and then somewhere after the halfway point of season two, there's like another carnival. You know what no, I mean? You know, I think you're probably right. That's the same one, but like, that's crazy. Like, wow. Is that even possible? Like Mesmer just happened to be at the same carnival. Like why? How did he know? I, I don't know. know. I guess it doesn't I really know. matter. I, I mean, was he playing this all? And who knows? Uh, so yeah. anyway, they're like, Oh, right, well, we don't know what's going on. And Xavier's like, okay, that just means Jean's dead. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay to be fair he says that means in the middle of the night gene vanished and like yeah that's pretty fucking creepy thanks xavier so then they go downstairs where beast is like high speed reading the news like maddie myers and like 
<laughs> yeah, he's scrolling through a billion news articles on the like, huge so computer fast, mainframe. So fast. Like, huge, huge screen in and front I'm of like, his I'm like, and I, When I watched it, I'm like, I was thinking, nobody does that. And I'm like, actually, Maddie does do this for work. I do, so. but I'm not as good as Beast because no one is. And so Xavier rolls in. He's like, hey, so how's this all going? And Beast is like, oh, you know, just reading a thousand news articles per second to see if any of them mention Gene at all. How's Cerebro going? Like, do you get anything? And Xavier's like, no, it won't detect her till she uses her powers, which I guess that is the limitation of Cerebro on this show, right. which is not always the case in every iteration of Cerebro. But on this show, it can only pick up mutants if they use their powers. That's it. Yeah. And so I, Beast I, is like, I, well, I think let's I like hope if she that. uses them. She, it's not because she's in danger. Okay, which, but like, see, like in the movies, though, that was also is. the case, remember? Because when they were trying to well, find Nightcrawler no. in X2, he couldn't find... Nightcrawler. That's true. That's true. But I think that's just because Nightcrawler is bamfing around. Because you remember um, Xavier could find humans in Cerebro oh, back that's then. that's right. Okay. So I don't he know. could I actually guess... find any person if he thought hard enough. Whereas in right. this version, I think Xavier and Jean are just slightly weaker. It's almost like everybody's powers are a little bit worse on this show. You know what I, I mean? mean? Well, I think it's more like they're a little bit newer, which is fine. Like, and yeah. it, that, that would have worked for Storm on the show if she were actually a teenager. But if in she this, were she's a teenager, like, yeah, then she's not in this episode, by the way. Okay, wait. So this, I, I got to talk about this. So <laughs> this is when we get the montage of everybody trying to find Gene. And Scott's driving around. A fucking like circus flyer hits his car, by the way. He doesn't and, like, notice it. He doesn't yeah. notice it. And he's calling Duncan to see if... Okay. Why does he have Duncan's number? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I was like, and he like. I and immediately wait. thought this. I immediately thought this as well. I was like, why does he have Duncan's number? I, I was like, okay. Why? So this is like a confirmation that they're like actually baiting. So yeah, it's, and, and, the, and Duncan doesn't even think it's weird that Scott's calling him. No, because like, he's if like, I were Duncan, I'd be like, how the fuck did you get this number? We hate each other. Like, what are you doing calling right, well, me? I know. So Scott calls Duncan. He's like, hey, Duncan, what's up? And Duncan's like, supposedly being like, oh, what's going on? And Scott's yeah. like, have you seen Jean? And Duncan's like, no, is she okay? And Scott's like, yeah, everything's cool. I'll call you later. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, they're friends? And also call each other, yeah, which and is and I was not... Like, I, I, I was like, no, it, it was so much like, reminded me of high school. And I didn't have this experience because like, I was not dating like anyone but yeah. I, it reminded also, I me. I didn't have a cell phone at Scott's age that I could just use like this. Like Scott I mean, has I, a cell phone. Like Xavier buys Scott a lot of stuff. I did, but I was not allowed to use it. I had a I cell phone. I wasn't allowed to use it because it was too expensive. I was only allowed to use it for emergencies. Right. My mom's like, use it for emergencies or calling us only. I was like, okay. And then I would call my friends. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that when Scott was calling all these people on his cell phone. I was like, wow, Xavier really treats his adoptive son but well But we learned here. that later because he has a, a jacked up room later. Anyway, so yeah. he calls Duncan. Duncan and him are dating. That's what we get here. Then he calls Taryn, who he's also fucking. So like, yeah. I was like, okay, fine. I, it made sense to me that he had Taryn's number because they like have at least been on a couple dates. As to why he has Duncan's number, there's no other explanation other than right. them being on a couple and dates. Then, and then, so then Evan skatesboard out of the police station because he checked there to see if Gene was there. Which, mm -hmm. which was a good call. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, Rogue checks the record store. Gene okay, isn't there either. I was either. like, is Rogue actually looking for Gene, though? Or is she or just is she going just to the going record, the record store? store? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so then also the Brotherhood Mansion, which actually looks really nice suddenly. I feel like we haven't had a long shot of the Brotherhood Mansion in a while. It doesn't look right. as dilapidated as it used to. There's also a sign outside of it now that says the Brotherhood of Bayville Boarding House, which, like, when did they get a sign? But whatever. It doesn't matter. I think matter. it was there before. I think we just was haven't it? seen, like, the outside 
yeah i don't know anyway there's an explosion from inside and we just see kitty walking out and she's like relax lance i never said you guys kidnapped her as if one of you hadn't tried it before which i thought was pretty funny i thought that was pretty funny too kitty just kind of like skips away which was like okay (laughs) i liked the like the overall implication of the relationship between kitty and lance and also the x-men and the brotherhood generally where they're They're not so much enemies as frenemies, you know? No, they're I, not. I like the continuation of Me that. Me too. Uh, then Kurt teleports into this field and stands on the Phoenix symbol, which was like on the news again. Yeah. Also, he's like bamfing around the football field. And I was like, Kurt, someone's going to see you. Okay, like, but this is like, why? this is so Kurt. This is what he does throughout the show. He's like always doing this. Remember that episode where he was like hanging outside a window at the school and bamfing yeah. around? He's like talking to Evan. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And Sabretooth was looking at them with the uh, from the Animaniacs towers. Yes, yeah. I mean, Kurt doesn't really care if other people see his powers. You know, I think Kurt and I were on the same wavelength in high school. Anyway, so <laughs> so then, then I have a completely different scene that right. isn't about looking for Jane at all. Um, yeah. and it's the new mutants, or at least four of them: Iceman, Berserker, Jubilee, and Cannonball. Yeah, they're all in their uniforms and they're sneaking around in the sub basement. And Bobby is leading the charge because Bobby is the little rebel of this Okay, group. also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but suddenly now Bobby has become... This is when Bobby just starts to become a main character. Like, he's been relevant in the past, like, couple of episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's continuing his ongoing storyline. Like, he is the leader slash main character of the New Mutants. Right. And then everybody else is kind of a, a side character to Bobby being the main character. I, I bet you if they had continued the show, he would have gotten his own um, name in the opening credits. Like, you know Maybe. how Beast Beast eventually does? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Jubilee is, like, almost a main character, too, which is kind of fun, even though she's a different character. Yeah. I mean, she has some lines that are like Jubilee. Well, anyway, so they're going to the danger room. They're like, fuck this. Let's go fuck off for a little while. We're supposed to have class in the danger room. but mm-hmm. And Cannonball's, like, without an instructor, because I guess class has been canceled because everybody's looking for Gene and, like, Bobby doesn't want to for some reason. Yeah. So Bobby opens the danger room door and is like you know, all excited about getting everybody in there, even though they're all probably going to die. So then Jamie Maddox comes around the corner and he's like, hey guys, wait up! And then like falls over and explodes into a billion versions of himself. And everybody else is like, uh, we don't want to hang out with you. So I think Jamie is supposed to be younger than they are. Like the voice actor sounds younger. I think younger. so too. I also feel like they're doing this whole setup that we never got to see for sort of like an X Factor team because Forge yeah. and Pietro and Havoc and Jamie are all like, kind of main characters in and out they kind of like get their whole their own side plots and mm-hmm. we don't really see what's going on with them and i kind of feel like they were gonna hook Set them all that up. up later yeah. yeah i mean we haven't seen forge since he his intro episode but oh, also will spain too will spain yes. also gets like her own highlight also which i'm like okay maybe they were gonna do something with this you know i bet they were so so jamie for at least the moment is kind of like the the kid brother of this group like they don't want to hang out with him he's like the younger one so they're right. all making fun of him a little bit and berserker's like forget it multiple you can't handle the danger room and Jamie's like, if you can, I can. And Jubilee's like, sorry, Jamie, we're more experienced than you. And they like all go inside and close the door. And Jamie stomps away. This all sort of matters, but doesn't really. It's just a no, fun, it silly doesn't. side I, I appreciate it. Then we go to Logan, who's at the bus station. And of all these characters looking for Gene, Logan's like, I'm going to go check like a place where she could have left from. Yeah. And like, manages to get a lead. And it's like, yes. I also wonder if Logan like sniffed her. And followed her trail. He probably did because he does actually figure out where she went. So he shows Jean's picture to the ticket taker and the ticket taker's like, yeah, she was here at four this morning, bought a ticket to Boston. 
And so then Logan goes back into Cerebro and Xavier looks at Google Maps, which I don't, whatever, it's funny. Um, I mean, like, he's it's, like, it's, it's confirmed Google Maps. she's in Boston. He's looking yeah. at Google Maps on Cerebro so he can tell where Jean is. I don't really get how it was confirmed, but I guess it's because she's using her powers. Well, in that's, yeah. Well, she's, it cuts to her. Okay, this is really funny to me. So she's at this like mansion or museum or something, and she's yep. in front of these gates, which she rips apart and floats through. And I'm like, she could have just floated over the gates. But, yep, but she doesn't because she's she does being it. a badass. Well, she's also being controlled and she floats yes, she's up to this like window, rips out the window. And then I was like, I couldn't tell if it was going to be somebody's house or a museum, but it was like everything yeah, was in unclear. glass cases. Maybe it was yeah. Warren's house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So she lands by all these shelves and glass cases and there's a bunch of artifacts inside the glass. And so she uses her powers to break inside and steal this one ring. Right. And the cops show up outside. She flings away the cop cars and walks yeah, out of the building. She like kills these cops, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they're dead. I mean, it's really badass. It's like too bad she's hypnotized because this is pretty cool. But okay, but also it, this is not too long after we saw that Power Surge episode. And this also seemed very Dark Phoenix to me. Yes, me too. I mean, clearly she's super powerful. And these are just powers of hers that we don't really get to see her use. But like, right. she can just fucking float around and steal shit. Like, it's badass, but it's oh, also, right. you know, bad. Because it's not her choice. Anyway, so then it goes back to Cerebro and Cyclops bursts. Oh, sorry. It's the war room. And Cyclops bursts into the war room. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're prepped and we're ready to go. And Xavier's like, actually, she's already gone from that spot. And now she's using her powers by train track. So we think she's on the move again. And Cyclops is like, what the fuck is even happening with her lately? And Xavier's like, I don't know, but we'll find her. It's actually a good scene. Like, it's not it really a good. funny scene. It is good. I like this episode. I think everything about it is pretty good. Me too. So then in the danger room, the new mutants are getting their asses kicked by tentacles, which I truly don't know what they expected. Like, this is what the danger room is. You get kicked by some tentacles. I mean, it's either tentacles or guns or later becomes tentacles and guns. The guns will be guns. there later, but for now, it's the tentacles. And Jubilee goes, this is going well, which is very funny. And Cannonball's like, like, wow, the other X-Men make this look so sexy, but I don't know if I have this <laughs> fetish. <laughs> and, then, and then I love the Iceman's like, okay, everyone listen to me. You do this thing and this thing, we'll all get out. And whatever he comes up with, that actually works. Like He does. He says all of them focus their powers on one tentacle at a time. And that's what they do. They, except they smash to the ground as soon as they manage to defeat each tentacle. So once they fall to the ground, uh, Cannonball and Berserker high five each other. They're like, yeah, that was cake. And Jubilee's the one who's like, that was not fun. My ass hurts. And I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm going to leave. I know. I, she does have a Jubilee line where she's like, what are you talking about? I'm totally chafed. Class dismissed. I'm out of here. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, well, she actually sounds like Jubilee. Finally, she does. Um, So she wa- tries to leave the danger room, but she can't. The door like like gets reinforced with even more metal. A bunch of machine guns pop out of the walls and spider bots. Okay, there's like a thousand guns. And I was like, Xavier, why? Why do you have so many guns? Like, you couldn't be any more of a rich white man with all the guns you own. I know. It's absurd. He is kind of a libertarian. So Bobby's like, I think we got some extra credit coming our way. And then we <laughs> see up in the control room that Jamie Maddox is the one who's in control of all of this. And he's like giggling. Yeah, and he's like cackling and rubbing his hands together evilly. So yep. then the new mutants basically fall out of the danger room and they're like close yeah, up like and ripped to shreds. naked, yeah. yeah. And then like multiple man comes around and he's like, so still think it's a piece of cake? And Bobby's like, I'm going to fuck you up, dude. I know it was you. And multiple man just <laughs> screams and runs and, like, away. Runs away. But then all the new mutants are too tired to chase him, which is actually really funny. Yeah, and Jubilee's like, we'll get him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a fun little comedy plot line. I liked it. That's the end of that um, plot. Yep. 
So then it's the middle of the night and Jean comes back to the X-Mansion all spooky style and like walks in really slowly and dramatically. And we get to see Scott's jacked up bedroom with like a fancy ass stereo and a bunch of other shit. Xavier oh bottom. my God. He has so much expensive shit in there. And it's like, okay, clearly he's blowing the Xavier. <laughs> I, let's fucking hope not. So anyway, he has his door open probably because he's like obsessively waiting for Jean to come home, which I actually thought was a nice touch. I believed it. Yeah, me too. Or he's waiting for Kurt, but Kurt could just teleport in there. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so he leaps out of bed when he sees Jean slowly walking by, and he's like, Jean, Jean? Screams Jean a thousand times, runs down the hallway. I thought it was like so funny that we were back to that again. I know. Look, he's going to scream Jean several more times in the episode. That's that's the world we're in. That's like what Cyclops can do, though. That's his actual superpower, <laughs> is screaming Jean. Or Logan. Like, those are the only things he can yeah. do. Sometimes he opens his eyes and misses. <laughs> So Jean turns around and looks at Scott and it looks so pissed off and then like uses her mind to make him pass out and puts him back to bed, which is creepy. Like she like hovers him back to his bed and like tucks him and in. And it's like silent. But yeah, I know she tucks him with it's her creepy. power. So I'm like, OK, I think it's really funny that it's potentially moves Mesmero doing all that. But OK. <laughs> yeah. So then she goes into Kurt's room and opens the door and then Kurt wakes up and they just like stare at each other for like 10 minutes. It's, it's silence. Creepy. And then like it's creepy it is creepy. And then and then Scott suddenly wakes up runs to Xavier's room. He's banging on the door and Xavier's like, what's happening? What's going on? Scott and, is like, and Scott's the like, people I'm hooking up with have been kidnapped. Yeah, that's what I said too. I was like, Jane was here and now she's gone and so is my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it would be stressful though. I know. So then back in the war room, uh, Katie and Beast are looking at the computer together. They're doing computer pal stuff together. Yeah, they're being nerds and Katie's like, we got a match on one of the computer scans, airport surveillance and Scott's like, where were they going? And Hank is like cross-referencing ticket sales with the exact time that the image was taken it's new york city and i'm like okay this is very convenient boston new york these are all like places that are not that far I mean, away from you guys yeah luckily I, all three of the apocalypse rings are in the tri-state area <laughs> so scott is like okay bye and then he like runs off to find his boyfriend and girlfriend um and we see a shot of the x-jet taking off and then we see a shot yeah. of a bank because that's apparently where the second ring is so that's when gene and Kurt are like teleporting around this bank, right? Well, there's a series of shots. So like they teleport around the bank and then we see Xavier using Cerebro. I don't, how are they keeping like under wraps all these security cams that show them using their powers? No, they're not, I guess. I mean, because later Scott takes out the security cams with his eye beams, but that's like way later. Like Gene and Kurt have no way of protecting themselves. They're just floating around. There's no security guards in the bank. The bank is completely empty. They're just bamfing in there. Yeah, which is really funny that there's no security guards at the bank, but later at the museum, there's like at least 95 security guards. I'm like, okay, a museum usually has like two. I actually feel like they could have explained this by having Jean like put some guards to sleep with her mind or something. Like, why didn't they just do that? Maybe it's supposed to be like Mesmero controlled all the guards, but then why didn't he help them out later with the other guards? I don't know. And then the middle of all this xavier's like waking up logan like that's like a whole separate scene and then it goes back to this bank where they go into the safe and like gene rips open the safe after kurt teleports them in and they find Mm -hmm. another ring and then logan and scott get to the bank because they get there together okay this this is crazy by the way (laughs) it's like scott like destroys the wall to the bank for them to get in and i was like 
wow, this is not discreet. You just like literally broke into the bank. Logan too. and Scott destroy a bunch of walls to get in. Like Logan uses his claws to get in and Scott like blasts a bunch of walls. Yeah, and I'm like, you guys are just destroying yeah, this bank. And like and no like, one, no cop cars are showing up to be like, oh, a bank is being destroyed in the center of town. <laughs> yeah, I, what, nobody can see this downtown. Anyway, so Logan just stands there and sniffs the air while Scott's taking out the security cameras. Then Scott breaks open the safe with his laser eyes and Gene just is like, Get the fuck out of here. And she silently teleconnectly. Yeah, she uses her powers to just fling them out of the entire building onto the street. This is in New York City, supposedly. And then steals their ride. Yeah. They, she gets at the Blackbird and just drives away. And like Logan's, okay. And Logan's like, okay, I'm getting a little mad now, okay? And we're like, <laughs> okay, Logan, calm I down. That was really funny, though, honestly. Um, so then the X-Jet right. with Kurt and Jean inside actually goes back to the X-Mansion and grabs Evan and Kitty. Although that's shown like in right. the background of the war room uh, scene between Hank and Xavier, where they're looking at the artifacts that have been stolen. Yeah, because Hank figures out stuff about how the three brains are like of Tibetan descent or something like that. Yeah, which is kind of relevant. I mean, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be in the Tibetan mountains later on at the end of the episode where like Apocalypse is going to get woken up. But like, sure, whatever. So Hank also shows a picture of the rod that the rings are going to be put on later when it becomes a key. Although we don't know what the fuck we're looking at. I didn't realize that that was going to turn into a key, like an actual key until way later and i was like mm-hmm. oh wow that's what's happening it's okay also cool. xavier senses gene he's like gene's here and then he sees mesbro's face and xavier just falls to the ground screaming yeah. and like, Hank's like, like xavier manages to figure out that gene is in the building for like one second and then he just falls over and it's like okay <laughs> i mean it's typical xavier fashion yeah. Hank's banging on the door to get out and he's like we're sealed in and it turns out that evan spiked the controls on the other side because mm-hmm. now evan has been mesmeroed as well along with kitty so they hop in the x jet with gene and kurt who fly off right. away again into the sunset okay then i love this next scene where like uh, i guess beast and like xavier get out because then they're in cerebro a rogue just walks in and she's like what the fuck's going on here is, is that the guy you saw in gene's head and xavier's yeah, like it's a photoshop yes. of like basically xavier's face but like i if know he it had really a bunch is. of face tattoos and was mesmero but they basically look the same okay like by the way this has been going on this whole episode and xavier's like yes now i have to scan the entire world and hope that he uses his power so i can see him rose is like hold up, all of y'all are idiots, come here. And Rogue just like <laughs> brings them back to the music box. It's just like, see, this like, this, this was here in the all box thing. Like along. this was Mesmero. Like Mesmero was at the carnival. He gave Gene this box. Like, do you think maybe that was it? And everybody's like, I- oh. <laughs> Rogue is consistently like this in all the TV shows and in the comics where she's like, significantly smarter than everyone else where and she's just like, like everyone else is like let's take six thousand hours to like go through every mutant in the universe and rogue is like no i saw that guy like yesterday <laughs> like i love it i yeah. love rogue yep. anyway so then beast bursts into the room with the music box vision style is like <laughs> professor the last ring is in dc at the museum at the eastern antiquities yeah so that's apparently where gene and evan and and kurt and kitty are gonna go and break into is to get the third ring so at the museum, an alarm goes off. There's a thousand security guards here, but not at the bank. They're running around <laughs> in a panic. The exit is on the roof. All these security guards see them use their powers, by the way. I know. I know. So Gene, Kurt, and Kitty and Evan get out of the jet together. The guards rush up and they're like, um, you're not supposed to land a jet on the roof, which this is okay. really funny, by the I way. I thought that was like a funny thing to say. I it was know. like, well, do you typically have things landing on the roof? I mean, I guess I don't even know what you would say in this situation. Like the situation is so absurd that like you right. may as well <laughs> run up to the roof and be like 
hey, uh, don't land your jet here. Also, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, Evan starts shooting spikes at all the guards to pin them to the wall. Then they get into the museum. Evan spikes at the cameras. I thought this was a cool scene, by the way. Katie, I thought like, it was too. Uses her phase powers to like um, bring down a bunch of metal bars that like close the museum, basically, so no one can get in. And then Jean flings a bunch of guards out of the way with her telekinesis. It's pretty badass. And Kitty like phases through the display case to get the final ring and grab it. And Jean puts it into this little black velvet bag where she's been putting each of the rings so far. Right. Um, And they get on the X-Jet again and they fly away. The perfect crime. It is. It actually is pretty fun. This is kind of like a heist episode. Like it's it's kind of Ocean's Eleven-y. It's like suddenly a different genre of show. I've always wanted like an Ocean's Eleven issue of the X-Men where they get fancy and go to the casino. But it's like with all the like with Gambit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like it's like it's like led by Emma and Gambit and Rogue and like. You have like Jubilee there and Boom yeah, Boom I mean, and Storm. Like each of them has a different power. I feel like this is the episode that is almost that. Yeah, but all, all characters I'm listening were all characters that have had like sort of thieving backgrounds yes. in the past yes. where they're like, okay, they kind of have a criminal background already. Like X23 can be there. And it's like, okay, like it's just we're going to do this whole like Ocean's Love thing and look hot. Anyway, yeah. so then Beast, <laughs> I guess Beast, Xavier, I don't I think everyone's on this jet. I think it's Beast, Xavier and Rogue. I think it's Rogue, Beast, Scott, Logan and Xavier. Yeah, right. Because Rogue's the only one left. And they're all in the X helicopter, which I don't know if it's called that, but I'm calling it I don't it know that. what it's called. It's probably that because I mean, the other thing's called the X van. Yeah, but then so this is called the X copter. Hank is standing there and literally just like tiny shirts and Logan's like, hey, you gonna wear that on this mission? Yeah. And Beast is like, well, yeah, we'll fit right in at the circus. And Logan's like, cool. I want to. I, I like this. I'm taking this. Like, like dramatically looks at the camera and he's like, we're gonna fit in at the circus because we're gay. And it's like, adorable. yeah, it was like okay, but I liked how Logan wasn't even like mad about it. It's like, hey, I noticed you're in your underwear. I noticed you're in your underwear, bub. Nice. <laughs> I'll take it because I ship them and I just want them to interact. So I was just like glad that they finally talked to each other even one time. Oh, I know. I know. Logan and Hank are dating, according to us. So then we go to right. the circus, which absolutely no one is at. Completely abandoned circus. It's like it's this abandoned circus. There's creepy Nightmare on Elm Street music playing. Like it's that level. It's not, I wouldn't say it's creepy. It's that kind of horror music where it's like spooky but also kind of funny spooky yeah and like all the wind is blowing around like good thing no one's at the circus it looks dangerous as fuck yeah we get a lightning flash of the silhouettes of gene kurt kidding evan against a tent because the x-jet is at the circus now and all the little brainwashed x-babies are just hanging out to meet their new brain master silently and so then the x-helicopter shows up and gene looks up at it and then on the helicopter scott's like there they are and xavier's like try to keep them occupied i've got an appointment with a mutant named mesmero I was like, thanks, Charles. <laughs> yeah. And Rogue is like, I don't want to attack our friends. And Logan is like, we just got to subdue them. No one has to get hurt. OK, but then Logan's like the only one who doesn't. Okay, nobody actually on the good side of the X-Men in this battle does a good job because they're all like trying not to hurt the other X-Men, which is like pretty funny. We get, honestly. We get like a really long scene of Beast and Kurt teleporting all over the place and they're like wrestling and beast i I like that these blue characters were just like wrestling around the fucking area and beast is also like come on kurt don't fight me and kurt is like trying to kick the shit out of beast also like you know that beast could break kurt in half if he actually wanted to but he doesn't want to of course i know but then evan spikes up and starts attacking rogue and rogue does like a thousand mystique flips around them which i thought was amazing and i was like okay and rogue's just like will you fucking stop it and like (laughs) two spikes come flying at her and Cyclops blasts them away and then 
blasts Evan away, and Jean catches Evan. Then yep. she like telekinetically spins Scott through a bunch of blood and in, into the uh, into the sky. And Scott just opens his eyes for all of this. I, I guess know. I, know. I was like. He just like his fucking he's blasting everything. And I was like, OK, is Jean controlling his powers? Because I have no other explanation. Maybe she's opening his eyes for him. Oh, maybe. To fuck that, I him? mean, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of, because otherwise it's just another scenario where Cyclops is like, I can't control where I'm looking. <laughs> Okay, there is a really funny shot, though, where it shows Jean just, like, casually moving her hand around while Scott is, like, screaming in the background. <laughs> and Jean is just like, do 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 And, like, I did think that was really fun. I like, thought it was funny, too, because, like, this is just their relationship, <laughs> know. you know? Okay, I don't know. it's also, like, even funnier when at the very end of the episode, Scott is, like, way into Jean. I'm like, she just stepped on your balls for the past <laughs> three hours, dude. I mean, like, but that's also why Logan wants Jean. Like, they both, like... They both like that Jean is a total dom. They both want a woman who is like way more powerful than they are and could kill them with her mind in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So then then Kitty phases to the ground and it, it comes up to Logan and Logan's like growling. He's like, rah, 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 and he's got his claws out and he sees Kitty. And I actually like this. He pulls, yeah. he puts his claws back. And he's like, God damn it. You know, I can't hit you. Five, half pint. And she kicks him in the shin, and he's like, so "Oh, that really hurt so hard! I can't do anything for the rest of this episode." Like he still That's goes on about so it like twenty minutes funny. later, and it's like, like, "Oh my falls god!" Falls to the ground, holding his shin for like five minutes. It's I'm so like, you funny. have a healing factor. Okay, whatever. <laughs> And then he's like, that was really painful, okay, Bob? And Kitty's just, like, casually walking away, like, well, that was easy. It's, like, honestly really funny. Um, Okay, so Jean walks up to the tent. She takes out her little velvet bag with the three rings in it. And then Xavier rolls up to her, and he's like, Jean, stop. Fight it. I'll deal with Mesmero. Just don't give him what he wants. And then there's, like, dramatic lightning in the background. And Jean raises Xavier's chair into the air. Starts doing, like, the whole Cyclops thing, flipping him around. Yeah, it's the whole Dark Phoenix thing, really, yeah. And so then... Rogue runs up and grabs Jean's face with her bare hands, which is like, thank God somebody's finally doing something around here. And Rogue is like, this isn't going to be easy on either of us. And so Jean collapses. But like right before that, she manages to throw the bag to Mesmero, who's like walking out of the tent just at that moment. I actually had to rewatch this because I was like, what? How did Mesmero get the bag? It's like a series of things happen really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so then Jean loses her powers and falls to the ground and then Xavier's chair also smashes onto the ground and Xavier falls out of it because like Jean isn't controlling it anymore because she's passed out. Right. And then Mesmero has the bag and he's laughing maniacally now. And Xavier's like, Mesmero, you may have been able to control their minds, but can you handle mine? And then like, there's just 10 minutes of them both sexually grunting at each other while they're like <laughs> mind controlling each other. I mean, like, they're looking at each to... other and eventually Mesmero says, you have no idea who you are messing with, Xavier. And then Xavier <laughs> falls out of his chair dramatically Again. in slow motion. Yep. And it's like, it's been like, you know, do you know that noise I'm trying to describe? Yes, I do. I do. It's higher pitched than what I just did. But anyway, so he falls in the mud. Everyone comes to their senses. And Mesmer walks inside the tent, by the way. And we see the Illuminati symbol in there again. Kitty comes to and she's like, What's going on? How do we all get here? And Logan's still rubbing his champagne like, yeah, sure. Now you're all better. This really hurts, by the way, Kitty. Or like, it's like really funny. I, I'm sorry. I just love this shit. I, like, mean, me too. So I just don't know what Logan's deal. He's Logan is over the top dramatic in every iteration of him ever. He just 
he's a big he's a big old drama queen. He's a baby. Then Jean <laughs> he is. And then Jean wakes up and Scott's cradling her and they're about and to Scott like Scott is like kiss. smiling because he's like, I'm actually really into everything you just did. And Jean's like, I don't know what just happened. Uh I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rogue puts Xavier in his chair. Yeah. And then Rogue uses Jean's powers to tear apart the tent, and Mesmero's not there. And yeah. she's like, Waddy go! And by the way, I always think about this, but whenever Rogue uses somebody's powers, like all these characters are like, I can't control my powers. Like, seem to understand how to use them. Rogue will get somebody's powers and like instantly is like, oh, you just do this. Yeah. Although the one exception to that is Storm, which is kind of stupid because Storm has no powers on this show ever again. I don't know. But when Rogue steals Storm's powers, she can't control them, which is too bad because it's like that implication is that Storm does have really huge powers. You know, do you remember that episode? It was like the first Rogue episode. I do. Storm is not consistent on this show. I know. That's it's the just, actual it's problem. It's too bad that they didn't actually write a character for her because I actually feel like it would make sense that Rogue could use just about everybody's powers except Storm's. But like, I feel like, whatever. I almost feel like Storm doesn't get any lines or anything to do on the show because the movies were out at this time and Storm also didn't get to do anything in those either. You know what? That's probably the reason. We, we right? keep asking this question, but I think you just finally solved it. God, that's sad. I know. Like, they have this incredibly strong black woman, and they're like, she's in the background. On X-Men, the animated series, and in the comics, they were able to write Storm. And then in this show, in the live-action movie, they were like, well... You know what? I'm just going to continue to bra- blame Brian Singer for all of this. I, he deserves it for this and a lot of other things. Yeah. Anyway, Rogue perfectly uses Jean's powers, but Mesmero's gone. Beast runs up to them, and he's like, are you all right? Xavier, did Mesmero hurt you? And Xavier's like, not Mesmero, Hank. Mesmero was just another puppet, like Gene. There was someone else pulling the strings, a mind more powerful than anything I've ever encountered. And Logan is like, why did it want rings? <laughs> it's like, good question, Logan. <laughs> and Xavier's like, yeah, I have no fucking idea. That's when <laughs> yeah. it cuts to fucking Egypt. And I was like, oh, this is where Maddie's going to start it's rolling her eyes. It's not really Egypt. It's Tibet. But yeah, I mean, the only reason, okay, for the record, the only reason I know it's Tibet is because I Googled it. It doesn't tell us that it's Tibet. Oh, I just assumed it was Egypt because of fucking apocalypse. I mean, me too. But apparently it's Tibet, according to the X-Men Evolution wiki, which like, sure. I mean, it's just a mountain somewhere in a cave. Beast also said all the rings were Tibetan anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, maybe that's why the person who wrote the wiki entry assumed it's Tibet. I have no idea. I mean, I, that's I, probably true. It will be cl- clarified later, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a mysterious cave and it doesn't really matter where the cave is. So Mesmero dramatically walks into the cave. Yeah. yeah and there's all this dramatic music playing. He, there's a bunch of stone carvings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like all the throat singing and stuff. And so then he reaches into this pillar. He pulls out this gold rod and he puts the three rings onto it. And it's it, like, very turns Zelda, into a key. this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like a video game. So he puts the key into this huge stone doorway and then there's a bunch of lightning and sound effects. Okay, and the this door is opens. really funny to me, by the way. Like, he puts the key in the door, the door opens, and there's just another door. And it's yeah. like, wow. And he's like, wow. I've opened the first door. And it's like, wow, okay, you have to open another door? Okay, no, no, he didn't say that. Some other, there's an ominous voice that goes, the first door has been opened. I was like, why is it like Legends of the Hidden Temple? It's like what? fucking Olmec is there being like, thanks <laughs> for opening the first door. You've got a long way to go. You need to put a, put together the monkey. And, and Mesmero is like, Oh my like, God. Oh, I mean, okay. like he basically is doing that. I'm sorry. I know, I know. And he's like, I await your instruction. And then he like waits for a second. And then like, I think gets a telepathic message or something because then he's like, understood. I'll find them. And the world will once again tremble at the presence of apocalypse, which like, 
great i can't <laughs> wait for the world to tremble again at i that. don't know it's like i feel like we jumped to apocalypse on this show too soon i agree because like they if the mutants aren't even out yet i also was sad because i liked this episode like i liked the episode itself but then the end of it was like this is because apocalypse is coming well, and it's it's sad because like the version of apocalypse on this isn't even good wow i'm shocked to hear this is a version of apocalypse that you don't like what i know i you mean i didn't him. like i did not like apocalypse until within the last seven months and yeah. which or actually that's not true i would give it back to age of x-man i felt like that's when they started rewriting him to be more interesting but like the past year is when you start to like apocalypse up until that point no well they finally did the thing that i said that they should have done from all along where they're like i think that if he's gonna be the mutant messiah he should act all jesus-y and like be like i have all this information because i've lived for like a thousand years and Mm -hmm. like they finally did that instead of being like i must destroy the world because there's no point in people living like it's like no i don't i i don't know they i they've made him interesting and i like him now but Mm -hmm. but in this version of him it is not gonna be this is like 2003 we're not there so if that i mean it might be 2002 i'm not sure um, so anyway, we should rate the episode. Uh, I'll give it a four. I give it five out of five. Really? I like, All right, I, fair I, yeah, because I, I don't have any complaints about the episode. I feel like it's actually really well done. And my, I really don't either. I have to, I want to start doing the thing that Todd does. I'm talking so fast. I <laughs> want to start doing the thing Todd does where he actually, I'm talking too slow now. <laughs> okay. So basically he cut, he explains his reasoning for that. Ever- record an episode of this show is the real question. I don't know. It's a great show, but (laughs) I I feel like I do explain, but I got to I want to get out of this, uh, this thought process of like, I enjoyed it, which is actually true for most things with me. I I really don't walk away from anything with a negative opinion unless it's like horrible. Yeah. But this is good to me because I think it does a really good job at being a horror story. Um, As a horror fanatic, it plays into all the tropes Mm -hmm. of a horror film. Um, and all the setup that they have for each scene, like we are introduced to Gene having this nightmare. And then then, of course, we as the viewer know. Yeah, yeah, we know that like we know that there's going to be something in that jack and box that's going to do a jump scare. But Gene doesn't know that. And so we get to watch her go through that. I also think there's a lot of good references to Gene potentially being the Dark Phoenix. I think. In terms of apocalypse, I even though like I'm not a big fan if I'm on this I mean, show. It is a good tension build up to apocalypse, even though he sucks, it's still like interesting. It, right. it makes you wonder what his deal is. Right. And I like how they did a lot of um scenes in this that didn't require any sort of actual communication for the viewer to hear. We had to gain we had to f- figure out what was happening from what was given to us in each scene. So like Gene and Nightcrawler are looking at each other, and that's when we're like, oh shit, now she's possessing Kurt. Or we see Kitty getting her suit out after Jean lands the uh, X-Jet. Like, there's a lot of not talking going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, which is spooky. You're kind of talking me into it. I think I'm going to give it a five as well. Yeah, I well it's very it. spooky. And I also think the animation was very good. I felt like, like, the only reason why there was anything funny in this episode is because they quickly did that thing that X-Men the Animated Series did, where it's like, we have this really dark situation going on. So we're going to take these three other characters and make them do something comical in the background, except it's arguable that that's not even funny because it still is like multiple man, multiple man trying to take guns and shoot his friends that were picking on him, which is like this weird bullying, like anti-bully thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I it is. I mean, it's also like kids who are in over their head. I mean, that's sort of the theme of the entire episode is like they're dealing with circumstances that are beyond them. And that's always what the horror is in, in these kids' lives is like, 
well, we suddenly have superpowers and also adults around us are sometimes trying to control yeah. us. And also, and also there's like a feeling of dread throughout this whole episode. Like mm-hmm. they don't know what's happening. They're scared for Jean. They're scared that like more and more of the students are disappearing, which is also very it's creepy. Like it, it is very horror. Like it, instead of like the characters dying, which is usually what happens like in a slasher fl- flick or whatever. It's like instead they're getting possessed. So it's like, yeah, how it's long is like it before they're possessed people. by this? De- yeah. Like yeah, when zombies. is the demon going to get the next person, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I thought I mean, that was really interesting. So that part of it is cool. I mean, it's, it's yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I'm changing my vote. I think it's a five. I, I enjoyed it a lot, even though I'm not afraid of clowns. I still thought there were a lot of things that were creepy in a cool way. I also just enjoy any of the dark Phoenix stuff with Jean as subtle as it still is on the show. I like the implication that she's a lot more powerful than she seems. This episode has a lot of just cool shots of Jean getting to actually use her powers, which I mean, I do like some things about X-Men TAS, but certainly not that aspect of it. Like this is the show that actually lets Jean seem as powerful as she is. She and well, also in see. X-Men evolution, they gave her a personality and things yes. to do yep. separate from Scott, which I think was a smart cool. move like it yeah. took them up to season three to hook them up together but also she makes it very clear throughout this tv show that she's not really going to put up with scott's shit if they do get together you know what i mean mm-hmm. i like that too i i mean also like hank and logan finally talk to each other for two seconds and that's enough to give it a five um we're not in that section <laughs> yet yeah right yeah um all right yeah i i thought this was a cool episode i don't feel like there's anything really too say politically about it but that's fine like there weren't really any metaphors about it when it comes to i guess to- the only like weird politic you could think about was in the 90s when we were still on this like hot illuminati kick you remember that like it was like yeah. in everything it was in every fucking tv show and there was yeah, like you know you're it's not the illuminati wrong yeah. all along and i was like okay but this is like this was like a weird media thing where and I, they were like, people were like starting to believe it. Do you remember that whole thing where like in the 90s, people were like really starting to get scared of the Illuminati because it was being pushed into the media at yeah, like left and I right? Mean, there's still versions of that. Like humans are fascinated with the idea of secret societies still. I mean, you know, there's QAnon conspiracy theorists and stuff well, like but that I mean, now. Like, I mean, the, okay, but the Illuminati probably does exist, but like so does like a thousand other so secret other societies. Things. I mean, there, yes, know? there are secret groups of extremely powerful people who control everything, but like sadly, they're in plain sight most of the time. And like that's right. what's really depressing about yeah, it. Yeah, but in this, like they were like, oh, well, the Illuminati is being, well, they're controlling, think, they, they want to bring the apocalypse. That's what yes, they want. You yes, know? absolutely. I mean, that idea was definitely a part of it, but I think there's also something inherent scary about the idea of children being kidnapped and taken away which was something else that people were really worried about in the 80s and 90s is like just stranger danger and all that shit yeah like, oh that's so that's, true that was a part of it as well like I oh forgot, what like, if how much kids, how big that like was. the vans full of candy and like a stranger at a carnival <laughs> might tell your kid to like do something and then they might try to kill you like it's i don't know it, it felt like it really fit in with okay a but also there's like sort of like if you want to take it from a queer metaphor you can absolutely look at look at xavier being like i have all these queer kids that are suddenly disappearing so somebody like kidnapping and like using queer children to do something which was a thing back then i was like okay so there are just vulnerable like these are very uh, vulnerable kids that can be used there's this whole thing do you remember like the 80s and 90s there was like teenagers going missing and it was like teenagers that were also kicked out of their homes and like they were like 
living with some other like queer people that were taking care of them and then suddenly they went missing and they were never yeah, found again. I mean, that's, and it's like, those are vulnerable populations of people. Like if you're a predator, you got to target the person who no one's going to be looking for like or, or care about. Right, that's what's really right. sad, but it's like that's that would work. I mean... Look at that's that. Look at what Mesmero did in a way. We we found three major politics in that in this after saying there were zero. <laughs> yeah, look at us go. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, we should talk about Mesmero though. We should talk about that. All right. Who's that? X Men. That was all right. That was. I think I liked it the other way better. All right. Well, whatever. Okay, so it's 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 Mesmero. So wait, but what kind of Pokemon is Mesmero? Did you? Did you pick one? For I think him? I think last week we or sorry last episode we decided it was hypno, right? Yeah, that actually does make sense because he does hypnosis. So right, I w- I was gonna go back and try and do some of the old ones that I got. I immediately was like, I can't do all these because some of these don't work as <laughs> as Pokemon. So yep. that was the end of that real quick. But I yep. was like, Warren's a pidgey. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about Mesmero. It's nice and short because he's one of those characters that they developed for like sort of the original X-Men series when it was just kind of one-off villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of brought him back in and out throughout the X-Men history and Marvel history. So... Uh, it's going to be nice and short. So his first appearance was in X-Men number 49, the original run of X-Men. He was created by Arnold Drake, Don Heck, and Warder Roth. His ability is hypnotism. Mesmero originally posed as a stage hypnotist and would mesmerize his guests into giving them his, their possessions. So he was Ooh. like, they they all did this. All these villains like did the same thing. Like Juggernaut was robbing banks. Fucking Vanisher was also van- robbing banks. Mesmero was like, <laughs> robbing people and banks like this yeah. is that, I mean, that this was is like, like a classic carnival trick i mean like in real life okay, but you know? also like i like the idea that like in all these old comic books the most evil thing a person could do was like rob a bank repeatedly and i was like well how are all these banks getting robbed anyway so <laughs> yeah a magneto wanted mesbro to hypnotize lorna dane into believing that she was magneto's daughter except that she actually does turn out to be magneto's daughter which is really funny it is um, so mesbro goes ahead and captures lorna and reveals that he is aiding magneto magneto is then later to reveal to be a robot in the form of magneto so it's not actually even magneto himself which wow. is like crazy that later on they were like we're just gonna retcon all that and big polaris be his daughter uh yeah. So Mesmero is then captured by Sentinels for a while. I don't really know what happens after that because then he's just later on a carnival manager again. The Sentinels let him go because they love carnivals. And they were just like, this guy's a mutant, but like, beep boop, we want to go to the carnival. (laughs) The Sentinels were like, we want to do the hammer game. And it's like a giant (laughs) fucking Sentinel like hitting the thing to be like, I didn't even make it. Anyway, so Mesmero is a carnival manager and he hypnotizes the X-Men into being his carnival performers. Great. X-Men free themselves and attack Mesmero. The real Magneto shows up and saves the X-Men. <laughs> and Magneto this. then leaves Mesmero stranded in a South American why jungle. Being was like, not, why was that not the episode this time? That would have been so much know. fun if Magneto had showed up at the end and been like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm going <laughs> to save you guys. Because the first time Magneto on X-Men Evolution is not even Magneto. I know. That's why. I know. Anyway, so... Mesmero has a whole bunch of side stories where he appears in Avengers comics. Uh, there's one where he like appears in a Spider-Man comic. 
where he performs on Broadway and then hypnotizes everybody to steal shit. I don't know. Wait, uh, I remember that one. Do you really? I probably just seen it posted in various places because it's funny. I mean, it's Mesmero doing like a fucking musical number. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it makes sense that that would be something that I would have read anyway. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, so Mesmero later poses as a psychiatrist in London during the Excalibur run to take control of that team to fight Fenris. He is later defeated by Lockheed and the girls from St. Cyril's School for Young Ladies were Kitty had been attending. So that's how he gets knocked out there. His most prominent story is actually during the Weapon X revival in the early 2000s that I think we've talked about with Neverland. And uh, mm. we talked about it with Cable and Boom Boom and Domino because yep. they were all involved with that and Shatterstar. So he worked for the new incarnation of the Weapon X program uh, in exchange to increase his hypnotic powers to take control of entire crowds instead of just like small groups. Um, he also utilized his powers to keep people from the press and discovering Weapon X's Neverland, which was like the mutant concentration camp where they were operating on and also killing mutants. Also where Maggot died initially. Mesmero visited his mother during this time who was dying and he had, I guess, hypnotized a bunch of doctors to help her or maybe not. That's not really clear to me. Uh, and eventually when she kno he knows that she's dying, he just hypnotizes her and says, you know, to make her believe that she is well and not dying but she sees through the illusion and says that she knows that it's an illusion before she dies so mesmero doubts his hypnotizing powers which is just more or less makes him go away for a really long time huh. uh and weapon x locks him in neverland because they're like okay he's useless and he knows too much wow. but then when brent jackson turns against weapon x he frees mesmero and brent works with mesmero to get his confidence and powers back and that's I, I, I thought that was a good storyline for that character. That is cool. I mean, it's it's cool to think about Mesmero's powers being partially psychological on his part, because I feel like that's right. often shown with mutant powers as well. Like the idea that, like, if you have low self-esteem, like you can't control this part of you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's it's good because I think it's like, OK, so you can't really control that power, but also like. You then doubt that the power is really in you, yeah. which I guess it's like it's like that could be a weird gay metaphor when you like, you know, you're gay, but then you doubt it because like something happened that made you extra confused. I, mean, I don't know. Human psychology is weird like that. Like it you really can, is. You can it convince is. yourself of a lie for a while. I mean, it's hard, but you can do it. You can be in denial. Do you remember when Drake wrote into us and talked about OCD and it like it's like, can you like accidentally give yourself yeah, OCD or yeah. do you think OCD can make you? question your sexuality and i was like i don't think it works like that but you're right that the psychology of people is just very complicated it is i mean i i do think you can have well you can be in deep denial obviously but you can also have obsessive thoughts and like question yourself i mean those things can absolutely happen yeah but i also think it's just like as a mental health thing like something that you're ordinarily very good at you can convince yourself you're bad at it if you're in a bad place and suddenly be like yeah. i guess i can't play the piano anymore i don't know how to do it anymore like you can get that ha have happened to you you know right and like that that does happen like i've it's been creepy. there like yeah. but for me it's usually with like like right now it's a lot of practice that i'm doing through therapy and i'm like oh and like some weeks i'm like right on it i get it and then i'm like what have i forgotten how to do this or like when you play a video game and then suddenly like yeah. you can't do what you do in a video game and you're like well maybe i can't do this anymore you know yeah i mean like that's there's a lot of uh sports psychology stuff too about like competition and like whether you can or can't do something like some of it is practice and like can you literally do it but not all of it. Like some of it is is literally just do you believe that you can do this thing? 
that you yeah. can. It's crazy. It's actually crazy, like how your biggest block is usually yourself. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Anyway, so Mesro <laughs> does lose his powers for real during the House of M and Decimation storyline. Uh, he lives in poverty like many other mutants who lost their powers during this. And during that time, he forms a relationship with a woman who had saved his life, and he promises to help her in return. She trusts him freely and without the aid of his powers, so he decides to put his past behind him and stop being a supervillain, un understanding that he can get people to still like him and work with him if he just is, like, good. Nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting. And he starts a new life as a man known as Vincent. Then magically his powers come back later, completely unexplained, and he returns to being a supervillain, uh, in which he's leading the New Brotherhood of Mutants. The X-Men discover that Mesmero was hypnotizing that entire New Brotherhood of Mutants and breaks them free of his control. He was arrested, but it was revealed that he was paid by Lydia Nance, the director of the Anti-Mutant Heritage Initiative, to paint mutants in a bad light by doing this. Hmm. Mesmero was last seen on Krakoa during the House of X storyline, where he was welcomed as one of the many citizens to the island. All right. Hope he's not causing any problems there, I guess. And so far, he isn't. I, I actually, what I like about the whole Krakoa stuff is that a lot of the villains now are just chilling. Well, just they're not really out. villains. They're kind of figuring out where they fit in this new society. But the villain, actual villains of Krakoa, or sorry, of X-Men now are like racists mm -hmm. <laughs> and homophobes, which yeah. is like, his just has always been the, the main point of the X-Men. Right. Yeah. And, and, and But then it's like all these groups that feel differently with each other. Now they're like all sort of trying to work with each other to make it work. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting concept. I want to see how far it goes because how long is it going to be before that falls apart, you know? Definitely. Speaking of which, I guess we should talk about who's gay in this episode. The X-Men are a metaphor for a lot of things. But one of those things is being Like, there's nothing that has happens like on screen, but I do think that Scott and Duncan are fucking. Yeah. I don't know why Scott and Duncan have each other's numbers. I ship Logan and Hank, even though I don't know if they're together yet. I just have high hopes for them. I and just assume that like Scott has Duncan's number because they're. Oh, I didn't even like finish. Okay, when we were talking about that scene, I was like gonna say something, and then we got wildly distracted by the actual <laughs> scrolling. But I was gonna say, all right, so back in high school especially during like the 2000s and this is still this is still a thing even with adults now but like this whole concept of like hat like being gay and not letting people know that you're fucking this dude or like especially like this high high school concept of like i'm a straight man that's a jock and i'm like really into girls but i'm also like really interested in exploring yeah. fucking a guy but like nobody can know so i have his number to hit him up like when mm -hmm. i want to do that but like it's a whole secret relationship and so when we're with people we have to pretend not to like each other because then yep. they'll figure out we're gay like this yep. is like a whole mindset even <laughs> yeah. though like none of that's actually true it's like this whole concept well, that, that does happen though yeah and it, it still sense. happens like i mean i think it happens with a lot of people i don't know if it still happens now but i i feel like there are closeted romances that unfold i think the one you're describing is a very right. stereotypical one where it's like the jock guy who's closeted well, that, yeah that's also very like a high school thing to happen but i do know that happens with yeah. men that are adults and marriages yeah yes and Sad. like that has also been like a reason why there's been a lot of marriages that have broken up in the past like 
10 years because the once again, mar- gay marriage being legalized and, and normalized. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people being like, I'm actually gay. I'm coming out of the closet. And like it, uh, sometimes it ends horribly. But I've known a lot of people that it's that they've ended their marriages and they've been like, yeah, like there's no bad blood because mm-hmm. we're way happier now. Yeah. You know, but it's, sometimes <laughs> it does end in bad blood because it's just like. You, we've been unhappy for so long and right. like, we've like you on realize each other. your partner was lying to you and lying to themselves and you're like wow that's just a disheartening thing or another thing that's happened in the past like 10 years is that i've also heard through my sister because she like works at a bar like about these people that like their marriages are still married but they're they know that the person is like off with a man on the weekends but they're like staying Oof. married anyway Oof. like it's awful. It's, yeah, I, yeah, that is the kind of story you tell a bartender, I guess. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like our yeah. bartender friends? They always tell me these stories that are like they're like people come in and drink and they just start like vomiting like all this crazy shit. Like, yeah, yeah, not literally vomiting, psychologically vomiting. But sometimes all crazy they do that shit. too. But so, sometimes <laughs> they make it to the bathroom. Sometimes they do it right there at the bar. They yeah. hope that doesn't happen. You yep, know. Yep, man. What, what we really went on a journey with that. So the point is that Scott and Duncan are fucking, but no one can know. That's your point. Yeah, is that the point you're making? That. But also, like, there's that scene where Scott and Nightcrawler, you know, like when fucking Jean's missing, and Scott's like, she took my boyfriend too. Oh, Scott and Kurt, I do love them. Yeah, this isn't this too. isn't a very homoerotic episode. I do think that Mesmero and Xavier grunting at each other at the end was like kind of homoerotic. Was like weirdly sexual, but like I don't Mostly know. Mostly like, like the way that telepathic fights kind of are sexual because it's like people staring at each other and grunting. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, but dude, I like this idea that like. Xavier and Mesmero were secretly on the astral plane, like having like totally naked sex, and it's like who's gonna top? And then Mesmero did, and so Xavier falls out of his chair. Yeah, but it's like no one knows what was happening there, and so it's just like that was just two adult men yeah. like having a moment that the children didn't know about, and like it's I don't know who who I can don't know say? It, who can see you know what, what is it happening? turned me on anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that was that episode. I guess it's time for plugs. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> It seems only Bye. fitting that for the carnival episode, Pluggy would at last make his return. Wait, he would be like his he own would ride pop out of a Jack in the Box. First of all, no, he'd be Jack like he'd off like, in the box with Pluggy. Jack off of those. Did you catch me? The whack-a-mole. I was the dildo that you hit. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, so after popping out of the jack off in the box pluggy hands you a circus flyer and on the flyer it says the mutantages.com and you go there and you find a link to all the ways you can contact us there's our email address the mutantages at gmail.com there's our discord server there's a link where you can join it and you can join uh, the main channels and hang out with other mutants and fans of the show. You can also ask us questions in our question channel, and you could call and leave us a voicemail at one five zero eight three one nine one six six eight, and just you know sing us a song, ask us a question. We'll play it on our, our reader mail episodes. Yeah, please, please contact us because I know that we in our producer email said that we can't get to every reader mail, but I, I was worried that we came across in the sense where like, don't contact us anymore. No, please contact, <laughs> please contact us. us. We love you so much. Um, and also we have a physical mailbox, which is PO box three, three, four, four Natick, Massachusetts. Oh, one seven, six. Oh, you can physically mail us stuff. And some people have done that. We need to, we need to film ourselves reacting to that at some point. Yeah. We'll, we will we'll make that happen it. probably after you move. But, you know, Maddie's about to move I'm in with her girlfriend. So she's, 
not even like we're gonna in take a week at this point <laughs> in a couple weeks but uh don't worry about you're that right living now. in boxes that's I am what's living happening in boxes that's what life is um, like anyway uh we also can be found on facebook twitter instagram tumblr pinterest and tiktok we're individually on these accounts as well i'm at ryan pagella on twitter and i'm at instagram at ryan.pagella maddie are you on the internet i, I don't am really i'm at Mitty myers Mitty myers can i pronounce that correctly Midi, M-I-D-I, I don't know. M-Y-E-R-S. It's your name. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Midemeyers. That is me. Midemeyers. Midemeyers. Um, also, oh my God, I can't remember all the things. Okay. Midi me. We have a Teespring store where you can buy a shirt that says time travel is real, which I feel like we haven't said in a while on this show because there's not that much time no. travel in X-Men And one of these evolution. days we'll take pictures of ourselves wearing those things. One of these days. One of these days. I, you know... We haven't gotten to the next episode yet, but apparently Forge is in it. So maybe we'll talk about time travel next week. Anyway, um, time travel is real. You can buy some merch that says that in our Teespring store. You can find a link to that store at mutantages.com. Also, we have a Patreon, which is the other way. We do. You can support us financially, assuming that you have the means to do so. Of course, if you can't, it's all good. But if you can, please consider going to patreon.com slash the mutant ages and kicking us a buck or several bucks. You can get access to bonus audio outtakes, funny stuff, old yeah, WandaVision Yeah, we've been dropping episodes. a lot of podcasts on there. Yeah. If you're catching up on WandaVision and you want to hear our reactions as you go along, enjoy those. Those are all there. Um, of course, we did our, our big WandaVision reacts last week with Todd. Um, but yeah, on the Patreon, there's those extra bonus episodes, which is pretty fun. Um, and yeah, pretty at the fun. highest tier... We give a shout out to those super, super high tier Patreon supporters. Who are they? Thank you, Samuel B and Soren B for <laughs> being our top tier supporters. You are getting sleepy. You are going, you are going to, to listen to the sound of my Each voice. Of you will steal You're going to go ring. to the museum. <laughs> yes, you will get the one ring and you will get the other X-Men and they're going to go with you. That's right. You're going to donate us even more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hope that worked on everyone. Um, I hope so too. That was like Ryan ASMR. Also, <laughs> I wanted to do a shout out to our YouTube channel. Yes, we skipped over that. I forgot about that. I know. You were like, what else do we have? Skips YouTube. So YouTube <laughs> is where we post our Let's Plays of all the X-Men games. We finished up the second Game Gear game. Mr. Sinister. We beat him. We beat his ass. We did. We did that. We also post clips to this show where we match it up to the animation of the TV shows. Yes. Sometimes we do parody videos and sometimes we just do whatever the fuck we want to put up there because it's <laughs> yeah, us. it's a pretty cool YouTube channel. It is whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also on YouTube at Ryan Pagella. I've got a adventure vlog and it's getting very, very adventurous. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff coming. Uh, I went into an escape room although you, you can't film in there so it's like our <laughs> so reactions like before, before the and after escape room and then afterward yeah. you got to say whether or not you won and how it was yeah pretty much uh so that's fun but there's gonna be like a fun um nostalgia trip on there as well it's just like as things are opening up i'm like oh, we can go places and do things so yeah um i'm also i'm also gonna shout this out but i am on twitch and i post in the discord when i'm going live at least with the marvel's avengers yeah games. you're playing marvel's yeah avengers. It's, it's pretty cool so far i'm just gonna go ahead and say that so far my favorite character to play as is iron man Ooh, because he can fly around and shit yeah i you know it's interesting how different all the characters feel in that game like people really do have 
have strong favorites. I like Thor a lot. I don't know if you will when you finally get to him, but I thought he was really fun. Well, no, I just I just completed the level that was like Black Widow's introduction, and oh, yeah. I hated every second of it because it was so hard for no reason. I know. I you know I do, I wasn't a huge fan of Black Widow personally either. That's not really my play style. I remember Kirk uh, on my other podcast was talking about how much he liked Black Widow though. So like well, different fast, people right? like different video games, I guess. But yeah, every single character in Marvel's Avengers feels completely different to play so it's like crazy that every level is like now you have to be somebody else now that you finally learn how to play as iron man you need to be thor yeah i mean like that's my experience and i like the way that kamala is animated and like i think it's gonna be interesting when they add black panther i really want to do the hawkeye stuff when i finish this campaign because kate bishop looks fantastic yeah which is like next week i think hawkeye gets added to the game it's really soon by the time this episode is out, I'm sure he's already in the game. Uh, I also, shout out to Bruce Banner's beautiful ass. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Banner is very cute in that game. You know, everybody looks pretty good. It's a cool looking game. Yeah, but so you can follow me there. Uh, last sh- last piece of our little shout out at the end of our plug section that is now 10 minutes long is that if you cannot support us in any of the ways that we just listed, uh, please feel free to or think about giving us a review on iTunes or whatever you listen to the show on. If you don't want to leave us a review, a star rating helps and it helps increase our visibility. Uh, And we want to do that. Tell your friends. (laughs) Yeah. Help us increase our visibility and decrease our invisibility by telling a friend about the show or reviewing it or rating it. That's all you can do, you know? That's right. And now we're at the end of the plugs. And I have not, though, because we have to say what the next episode is. It is Shadow Dance. Okay. That's right. Oh, that's the one where Boom Boom wears an amazing outfit. <laughs> okay. That is not that's what I was I expecting you it. to say. Um, in the, the little preview description on Disney Plus says, Forge constructs a device to lengthen Nightcrawler's teleportation reaches, which sounds pretty cool. I'm excited yeah, to see Forge to again. We were just talking in this episode about how we haven't seen Forge since season one. So I think this is the last time we see him on the show, though, which is sad. That is kind of sad. Oh, well. I don't know. I mean, like, it, who knows what was going to happen on the show? I do think it's really funny that the last time we saw Forge, Scott asked him like six times to come over and Forge was like, I am going to go. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> here's my number. And Forge is like, yeah, nah, I'm good. Um, I'm going to go find my parents who are like really old now. <laughs> I'm excited to see Forge again, honestly. I like to. Really, why do we get to see that story? Like, how did that know. play out? I don't know. Why isn't Forge the main character of this show? Anyway, we'll get to see him one more time. And that's next week. We'll see him again at some point. That's true. That's it. We're All finishing up. Right. I have a I have a hot date with Logan. We're going to go to the park and look for shamrocks and oh, collectibles. Oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> Katie's going to meet us there with uh, Gambit. For some reason, she also knows him. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and I think everybody gonna be a fun, knows about that. I mean, I was going to say it's going to be a double date, except like, I don't know, like that's not their relationship. Yeah, Katie and Gambit so. aren't dating per se. Like, They're like it's friends. It's a date, but like it's not a romantic date for them per se. Yeah. Logan and I are going to fuck on a shamrock. <laughs> okay. Have fun. Happy St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> that's how you get lucky. Oh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> oh see you God. next time. The Mutant.